The I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. Stories, advice and discussions to resource, encourage and support independent music artists. Welcome back to a brand new series of the I Am Independent podcast. These are certainly strange times that we live in, but nevertheless, the independent artist grind is real, hustling hard uh, more than ever, I would think. Well, we're hoping that this series will continue to inspire you, resource you and encourage you even in these difficult times, covering all sorts of topics that are relevant to you guys. We always welcome your feedback, so do get in touch on Instagram or through our website you can find our email address uh, info at iamindependent.co.uk to let us know what you'd like us to cover what you'd want to hear more of or just any comments that you want to share with us so this series is all about hearing artists stories uh, learning from those who have gone before but also thinking about real life as an artist and how we apply that how we live it how we make those dreams a reality So thanks once again for joining us. Enjoy. Hi guys, welcome to the I Am Independent podcast. On this episode, we are interviewing rapper, UK rapper, Nick Brewer. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so cool. Like, um, it's cool to, we were doing a bunch of interviews at the top of the year and it's really... It's really yeah. cool to get you on. We're really happy and yeah. stoked to have you and to chat with you about your career. Yeah, definitely. How's um things been for you this how's things been for you this like in this last weird year, um, from a career perspective? Mm, um it's been challenging. I think I think in many ways I was kind of maybe better prepared than some of like my peers in that sense of I've kind of been as well as continuing doing music I kind of got like different things going on mm-hmm. um, and that had been sort of a process over the last few years um, so I definitely like there was like everybody there was a lot of things that I missed out on a lot of things that I could do mm-hmm. but you know I've got certain friends who are almost you know, live income for example mm-hmm. is like it's finished. Decimated. a huge portion of yeah. their whole whole um their kind of finances whereas for me i've kind of been able to diversify a bit more so it's been challenging Mm. but it's also been like a good challenge because it's pushed me to sort of Mm. um i don't know go further down some of the paths i was already kind of going down if you know what i mean yeah yeah been challenging Um, that's interesting interesting that you're saying about streams and income streams like can you you talk about that a little bit it doesn't have to be specifics but what have you found has helped you to to sustain what sort of Mm. areas is it outside of music is it related to music Mm. what sort of um has helped you to sustain yeah I I think like I think every kind of income stream in some way kind of comes back to music like that was sort of the original start end point but it kind of shows itself differently so um I set up a a community interest company a few years ago okay. um, called Talk About It, which um, I kind of developed talks and workshops around mental health and music and how songwriting and creative writing can be um, 
a tool for young people to use to express themselves. And that kind of came some randomly from some stuff I did with one extra a few years ago. Mm. But that kind of ended up developing and, and becoming its own thing. Um, and that kind of then opened doors to just introduce me to different organisations. So I might do kind of like bespoke pieces, I don't know, like a poem or mm. like certain like talks and stuff with different organisations. So it all kind of came from music and still comes from music. And it's important. I mean, I love music. That's my passion yeah. first and foremost. But it also, the fact that I am a musician has helped open these doors. I don't think yeah. it would open so easily if it wasn't the music originally. Um, but I mean, that's still been challenging because even the workshops I do, a lot of them take place in schools. So, yeah. um, but that stuff's easier to, you know, I've been doing some online stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Whereas like, just live performances, you know, I haven't made any money from live performances yeah. in, I don't know, since when. So like everyone. So um, yeah, so it's been, it's been good, but it's good because it's pushed me out of my comfort zone mm. and I think like some of that stuff I was just letting come to me and it, and it was coming and now, now it's like okay well now that music is is going to look different let me really explore and go down mm. the path so um yeah but it's also like music is just so challenging because and I'm sure all musicians have these stories like the emails that I've received even in the last year of like oh this is this opportunity or do you want to do this and then it's like yeah 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 and then it gets down to it and it's like okay sorry we can't do that and that's not necessarily like pandemic related it's just yeah the nature of music i suppose but um i've been fine i really can't like, yeah in some it's, ways um you you're almost the other way around to a lot of um artists that we've spoken to particularly independent artists because many other people end up doing lots of different things to fund their music out of necessity and then eventually at some point not always but then music becomes their main thing whereas you were almost yeah. the opposite weren't you like almost seemingly came from nowhere straight away signed to a major label can you tell yeah. us a bit about your your journey through that yeah. so even was it um was it what you always wanted to do had you because in, in some sense your your journey to start with, did happen like the dream of many artists. Yeah, yeah. So just tell us <laughs> yeah, about no. that. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, no, I never imagined that I would be like a rapper as my career. Um, I've always loved rapping, like, since I was like, I've been writing lyrics since I was like nine years old, you know, mm. it was always something that I loved. I've been DJing since I was 11 and I just loved it all. Mm. Um, and my dad's very musical, like, him and all his family are very musical, but they all have like real jobs, if you know what I mean. It was very much like my dad played the guitar pretty much his whole life and loves it. You know, if you're going to talk to my dad about anything, he'll start talking about music. But I'm also from like a pretty, I would say, like run of the mill, like middle class English family mm. in the sense of like hobbies are hobbies and work is work. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, um, it wasn't like my parents ever said to me, like, no, you can't do music. It was just the mindset, I think, of, like, myself and my whole family is, like, you make the, the wise, safe, uh, dependable decision when it comes to career. So, no, I never um, imagined I'd be a musician. I went to uni, I studied history, didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. I just liked history, and I assumed, like, it sounds respectable, do you know what I mean? If you meet somebody who's got a history degree, that was kind of my... Uh, <laughs> 
my my uh, well thought out rationale about going to uni. Um, and then yeah, I came out of uni and I was sort of working in. I started working for an organisation, kind of like in the in the uh, like the charity sector, and that was all going quite well. And I was just using any minute I had to go to the studio, just mm. like in the evenings and stuff. Um, so this is like, you know, like 2012, 2013, I was just performing here and there, do you know what I mean? Getting a little 50 quid to go and, I don't know, perform and all that. And it was great. It was just great fun. And this was before, um, there was obviously no streaming. So there was iTunes, but I'd never put anything on iTunes. It was much more like the time of free downloads. So mm-hmm. pretty much everything I did was just like, I did a few mixtapes and a few EPs and I would never have even considered putting them on iTunes. I don't know, it just wasn't really the way, like the free kind of mixtape sort of thing. Um, that was kind of it. And um, yeah, then in early 2014, I signed a record deal with Island Records, which, yeah, it was like, in, in many ways, it was super, super early. Um, I think, to be honest with you, Professor Green was huge at the time, oh, and yeah. I think that kind of, mm. I think that kind of worked in my favour because, mm. like, I think that there was like a, we were com- like compared in sort of the way we looked, and mm. um, similar in the sense of like both quite lyrical, but mm. also like there was like a com- there's commercial kind mm. of appeal. So I think mm. that definitely helped in terms of me getting signed. And yeah, I got signed. Um, quite early in my career, like I'd never put anything up for sale. Do you know what I mean? So (laughs) suddenly um, I had a record deal, which was great because it kind of meant that I went from earning, you know, like an all right salary to pretty much getting what I was earning a year straight away, just in my bank account. So Mm -hmm. it seemed like a no brainer, Mm -hmm. like go for it. Um, And yeah, it was cool. But I think I just wasn't prepared. Like Mm -hmm. I just wasn't, I wasn't prepared. It all felt like a bit of a whirlwind and a bit of a dream. And I think going back to sort of just the way me and my family are, I very much had like, um, I'll just do what I'm told. Like, and I had like an employee sort of like mentality and I hadn't like switched to the fact of, well, actually I'm now like technically I'm a business and a business owner. And I just wasn't prepared for that. I didn't really, I don't think that was like naturally my, um, just my, my way in general. Um, so I was just kind of like assumed, well, Island Records, it's like Bob Marley, you too. Like, these look know what they're doing. I'm yeah. just going to do whatever they tell yeah. me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and kind of like in hindsight, it's got to be like, I've got to be still leading the ship, not being like hard headed, but um, I've got to know what I want. So I was a little bit like wide eyed, kind of just naive. Um, and it was like, there was definitely some good points. And I think yeah, from a financial standpoint, it gave me freedom, but essentially and eventually I didn't really know what I wanted to be as an artist. And the problem is when you're in a major label, there needs to be results. And there were some good points, but in the end, it kind of like, I just felt like it ended up being something that I and I ended up being something that I didn't necessarily want to be. And I have to take responsibility for that as much as everyone else because mm, I wasn't really steering the ship. Sorry, I just spoke for ages. <laughs> no, that is so interesting. I think it's so rare that we get a real insight to what it's mm. like. And 
even if it's if you don't mind would you could you push into like what were some of the biggest surprises you got from being signed like what were what what were the best things and what were the things that were were difficult so that if somebody's got that opportunity that they're facing or considering it or it's even there on the table mm. what do you wish you'd known um that you yeah. that you didn't yeah i think like some of the great things is obviously so before i got signed for example i was like paying for pr um, and that was really good because it was really expensive but it actually kind of was what sort of paved the way for me to get signed because mm. i am um, got like a feature in the guardian mm. and that kind of that was sort of what started things going um and that was really good and then but then you get into a major label situation and all that kind of stuff is taken care of so suddenly now you've got pr you've got a radio plug which i never had i've got um like a marketing team and all this stuff which is really great because before i could just about afford pr and now mm. i've got this whole team um so that's really good like it's really good because it's just you know not like if you're just an up, up and coming independent artist that's like in terms of the team that's going to be the equivalent of a good few grand a month do you know what yeah. I mean? no one can afford that yeah. um so that's great but at the same time i worked with some really good people but i also worked with some people who are just doing their job do you know mm. what i mean and they're not like don't fans care. of Nick yeah. Brewer. like they're not they don't hate me they're mm. not like everyone i worked with was friendly and that but you just realize oh some people are just here to do their job which like and you meet them everywhere do you know what i mean so that's not really surprising so um and you just kind of realize some of the ideas that would be getting like put my way and it's like oh this person never listened to my music have they like they don't know what i'm about yeah. they don't know um anything and then but i think it's just a real juxtaposition because then like certain people like i remember the radio plugger i worked with was just amazing like mm. she was so great and she was just on it and she did so much went above and beyond and you could tell that she really like believed in me and then other people it's just kind of like there wasn't really much there so mm. that was a bit of a surprise and i think one thing i would say is that's where i needed to start leading and started coming with ideas and i think i just assumed well you are this person in this job therefore you must be like really good at what you do and that's not to say that they're actually bad because in a major label they might be working with like indie artists mm. they're going to be working with you know vocal like it's quite a yeah. and you're going to just be put on loads of different yeah. projects so it's absolutely fair enough if someone doesn't understand each and every like scene that someone comes from um but i would definitely say to upcoming artists if you if you do get into that position definitely listen and take on board what everyone has to say but also put forward your own ideas and I actually realized now I was given a lot of opportunities to put forward my own ideas, but I just think in my own personal development, mm. I wasn't really at that point. Yeah. Um, so that was good, um, but also like a, a, ch- a, a challenge. Um, I think also it's great because I don't owe like any money that was given to me from the record label, I don't have to give them back. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, 
the major label system is kind of set up so that they know how to keep you in in debt. Do you know what I mean? So really, it's really quite hard, apart from your advance payments, to get like see profit. And you know, I'd get these like quarterly statements, and I'd just be reading them and seeing all these numbers and all these things that they're spending on. And I, I wouldn't really be able to know what they are. Yeah. And I think even that, it's like, no, I've got to be. You've got to. But I've got to approach it as like a business. I'm the manager. I have to know everything that's going on. So, um, yeah, there was there was that kind of stuff. And I think also just you've got to have, thankfully, I had a really good relationship with my A&R, who I've still got a good relationship with now. And we definitely had like our clashes, but essentially I could call him any time of the day. And for him, it wasn't just a nine to five. Mm-hmm. And I think even though, like you know, like I say, it wasn't always plain sailing. Ultimately, I knew that just because five thirty p.m. hit, like comes, he's still going to answer the phone to me. Mm-hmm. He's still going to be thinking about me, and he's still going to mm-hmm. make time when when I really need it. And I think that's really important. It's not mm-hmm. so much about the label that you sign mm-hmm. with or the whatever the company. It's about the person that is yeah. invested in you. Because I realised if he if he'd have left, for example, while I was there, I would have just been like lost wow. you know and i've seen that with some of my other friends who got signed and then their a and r's leave and now suddenly it's just like you're just sort of like somewhere in a system but no one's really accounting for you so i would say rather than getting caught up in like whatever company because it's not just all about major labels now there's loads of different whether it's distribution whatever it is don't get too caught up just in a company that's obviously important but does the person who wants to work with you, are they really, really invested with you? Mm. That's more valuable than anything. That's, um, you said so many great things there. Um, I've, got, I've got lots of questions, but I'll just <laughs> slow it all down. So <laughs> um, what, I, what I took from that, um, it, kind of a top line is that you kind of, mm. in all scenarios, you need to be like the CEO of your own career, regardless, like, like the labels, they're kind of, or whoever they're they're working for you and in your head you have to see it like that like they are working for me um they're helping me with so many things financially and getting it out there and they've got the machine and infrastructure to do that but like I've got to have a handle on what my career is looking like where it's going I have to be like a CEO is across all the things it's across the finances across you know promo across the product across all different things and kind of that's that's my job as well as being creative. Yeah. Mm. And I think just, yeah, as you say that, one thing that remi- I, that reminds me as well is it's not just with labels, it's with everything. Mm. And one thing I really learned from George the Poet, um, who got signed to the same label pretty much around the same time as me. Um, but I remember we'd like known each other for ages and like, so, but I remember just watching him. And one thing I really learned from him and this wasn't in like a label scenario, this is more in like radio interviews and stuff. He was really good at like, I always felt like he would go into an interview knowing what he wanted to say kind of right. thing. And I would like just go into stuff and just be like, yeah, but it's good to like have have goals and aims in everything that you do, whether it's an article, whether it's a, a video or a radio interview, or what, what do I want mm. to be... Um, kind of like, what do I want to come across? What do I want people to take away from it? Um, and that was one thing I really learned from him. It's not about like, 
being stubborn or anything like that. But it's like, well, if someone asks me a question, I can just give a bit of an open-ended answer or I can take it where I want it to go and get actually who I am and what I believe I have to share across with people. And so I think, yeah, there's a real opportunity to take all those those kind of stances. But I think it comes from, yeah, like you're saying, having that viewpoint of I am the CEO of Nick Brewer Limited. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever the artist or the, the situation is. Um, and it's very much working in partnership with people mm. but not feeling like just got to do whatever. Yeah, then just being carried off and, and that. So when you're talking, we talked a lot about team. And so mm-hmm. for an, for, I want to say any artist really, what, who are the most, would you say the most important team members? Um, mm. you should have and it's and it's hard because you're independent so mm. it, like if you distilling it all the way down like yeah who would you say like the most important people to have around you I think like obviously having a manager who believes in you um, and it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter about um, sorry two seconds sorry yeah, having a having a manager who believes in you or really kind of obviously connections and all of that kind of thing are really important. But having someone who's gonna engage and mm. who's gonna go above and beyond. Do you know what I mean? I think that's just so priceless. Again, just someone who you can tell really, really cares because Managers are going to be the people that are really like presenting you to people. Do you know what I mean? So you have to know that when that's happening, um, that they understand you, that they that they know what you're trying to do, and that they actually believe in you. Mm. Because yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's not really going to get very far. Um, other than that, I mean, it's great to have like a p like a really good publicist. I think because I've I've worked with loads of different PR and it's been interesting. But when you get someone who's really good mm. and has a real understanding and a real like, rather than just thinking I'll I'll try get him on this blog or that because that's cool, but it doesn't change things loads. Does it? Um, someone who has who can help you see well, where do you want to get to, like where who do you want to be alongside. What is your message? You know, mm. what what conversations do you want to be a part of? Um, all that kind of stuff. So I would say that management and PR is incredibly, incredibly important. Because um, then the other stuff is like great, like radio plug-in and that kind of stuff. But it starts to get really, really expensive. Expensive, yeah. Um, but I think also like... You, you can meet people, as long as people believe in you and they see something, people are usually quite willing to go on the journey. Mm. Um, and that's always a good sign of someone, like someone who's yeah. really willing to go on a journey. Um, so I wouldn't like, yeah, write off anyone, but I'd say just getting a, like a manager, someone who's just going to really like ride out for you, um, just means the most. I think like, I'm not actually with my manager who I was with when I was signed. But we, we, we still got a good relationship and I can think of the times where like he had to really fight my corner, mm-hmm. you know, and he's getting all the whatever thrown at him. And, and I was pretty much like protected from mm-hmm. that, you know, and 
That must have been hard because it's yeah. like he's kind of fighting for me. He's got to have all the difficult conversations. He's also got to think about my well-being and, and what's going on for me and sort of balance all of that. So, yeah, I think just a manager who really, really, mm. really cares, like, can be incredibly effective. That's really good. So you, you've obviously spoken about um, that there were some challenges and difficulties to, mm. to being signed and there's always that side that, people don't see let alone artists um so when when the deal came to an end how what impact did that have on you on your career as an artist Mm. on how did you feel about it um was was that something um yeah how did it affect how you saw yourself as an artist let alone the industry and, and and the world yeah I think that one thing my A&R always said to me was he always wanted me to have the approach and like the feeling of my career is going to continue with or without the label and I kind of heard that but I was always thinking well why are you telling me that (laughs) like (laughs) I'm in this situation you know I don't want to prepare for the work but there's actually like a lot of wisdom to what he was saying um my record deal was a bit of like an extreme sort of high and low. I came in with to the label with pr- pretty low pressure. It was very much like a developmental project. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a couple of EPs that um, overachieved for what the label wanted, but were by no means like national kind of, you know, charting projects or anything, but they, all the rap boxes were being ticked. So it was kind of like the trajectory was quite good. And then I had a single called Talk To Me, which mm. then like kind of went went up mm. and it was in, in the charts and it did really well. But it was kind of like, felt like what was gradually going along very nicely then just went too quick. And it was like, I don't know, it felt like we missed a couple of steps maybe. Mm. And it wasn't anyone's fault, you know, like the song was just received really well. Um, but then I kind of went from being this artist who was like cool, getting loads, loads of cool looks on that one extra and um, on a lot of like the introducing stages at the festivals and all these cool things to like now, all right, well, I've got a single in the top 20. I now need to continue mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. And I just weren't ready. I didn't know how to make a single. I didn't really, you know, like the first one was like, I was just, I hadn't done anything different as mm-hmm. far as I was aware in sort of making music. So I didn't know how to do it again, like, or do anything different. Mm. And so then we went with a single that just didn't work. Um, and then it kind of seemed like it just all went flat. So it was really weird because mm. I was just like, wait, what? Mm. Like, and um, so then it was just in this weird sort of limbo the label didn't want to let me go. They actually like extended my contract, but then any music I was sending them, they just weren't putting out. Mm. Um, and I was stuck like that for about a year. Mm. Um, and I think over that time, I just started to really just doubt my own ability and just, I think I just started to feel really insecure about myself, mm. you know, because I'm not like the type of person that really gets like, Gas, like I was definitely gas, but not gas in a sense of like I hadn't like detached from reality or anything. But I definitely started to think, oh my gosh, like I might actually become like a nationally known, do you know what I mean, artist. And everyone like is 
the question kind of went from like, oh, how's music going? To like, oh, I heard you on the radio, or I heard you on this, or my friends said they saw you here. And it was like, it was very nice. And then suddenly that all just kind of stopped. Mm. And it was very short-lived as well. Mm. You know, it wasn't like that the nice kind of period happened for that long. It was all very short-lived. So it was just like very extreme. And I just, I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and then in the end, I just got so like low that I remember chatting to my a and just kind of saying, look, um, I need to, you need to drop me, like, please, let me, because anything that I'm doing, you obviously don't, like, and it wasn't just my a and it was, like, higher-ups, it's not what they want, and I don't think I can deliver what they want, um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we got to, and my a and sorted out a really, really, really good deal for me, um, to kind of leave, which kind of took care of some, like, immediate pressures in terms of, like, finances, which was mm. really good. So there was like that sense. I didn't have to worry about like, how am I going to make money for a while? But then I always was just like, well, what, what, what am I doing now? Mm. Um, and I was very low. Like I was very, very low. And I felt like I'd wasted an opportunity. I think I felt like I'd let like a lot of people down um, that just sort of like believed in me. And, you know, I was the one out of all my friends that got signed and then I'd I flopped and all of this. So there was a lot of a lot of those feelings going around. Um and yeah, it wasn't a very nice time to mm. be honest. Um but slowly I just uh started to kind of like diversify. Like I said, that's when I started doing those workshops because I started trying to think back to well, what was it that why why did I start rapping in the mm. first place? Like what what was all this about? And I remember I just always felt like it was something that God had given me mm. to just be able to express how I was feeling. And I was a very anxious child. Like, I was very, very anxious and just found everything hard as a kid. Like, but writing was something that just, in many ways, just gave me such a... Um, it was my main form of expression. And so I was like, well, I just... I never imagined that I'd be trying to chase a single or, I don't know, like... Mm. It had just gone so, so far from what I wanted and what I imagined that actually I think I just took a lot of time, started um, writing, um, doing other stuff and slowly, slowly, slowly started to see and just realise for myself it's not about like how much I sell or how popular I am. Like All of that stuff is great from a, a business perspective, but... Mm. I definitely believe that life is about so much more than that. Um, and yeah, then I just ended up like for ages just putting out songs with like no chorus. Like I'm just putting out bars, bars. <laughs> and it was just, it was just my way of like, just going so far. I don't yeah. think seriously that like, since once I got like left the label, I think I didn't put out a song with a chorus for like, like 18 months. I was just putting out freestyles and I don't know, it was just like, I just wanted to get back to life yeah. and music again. Um, so it was sort of like, a, yeah, it was a difficult journey, but it definitely taught me a lot. And I'm like, ultimately now in hindsight, I'm so grateful that I kind of, that I wouldn't have like designed it how it did, but I'm grateful for how it all went mm. to do. Because um, yeah, I learned a lot. 
Just a quick reminder that we have a growing number of resources and useful videos on our YouTube page. Just search I Am Independent and you should find us. And do follow us on social media on Instagram at We Are Independent Artists and on Facebook under the same. Also on Facebook, you can join our closed group where we're creating community for independent artists to swap ideas, collaborate and just feel extra supported and encouraged. You can find links to everything we do on our website, www.iamindependent.co.uk. It's really incredible that you've talked so openly about the difficult Mm. things as well. And obviously you mentioned there that even as a child, you've battled with anxiety and you've spoken really publicly about that and mental health and mm. luck fortunately in recent years there's been a lot more conversation around the music industry specifically in mental health obviously mm. there's people that suffer with their mental health regardless of what they do but do you think there's some unique pressures that musicians face uh, when it comes to mental health yeah yeah I think like yeah, I guess like every journey and every walk of life has its own unique challenges. And I guess in that sense, music is no different. I think there's like, you know, there's such an, it doesn't take much now to, oh, what's the word? Like, stuff can start going well for you really quick. So, you know, someone today could upload a song to Spotify, it could come out tomorrow. Someone might hear it on TikTok, let's say, do a dance before you know you've got this massive song. Like, that can happen, and it does happen, and it has happened loads of times. And that's great, but it's also like, there's not many walks of life where like you can have such extreme mm. like changes. Mm. Um, and a lot of the time it's like, what changes isn't necessarily, um, it's not like loads of money comes in straight away, but suddenly now you're just, everyone wants to know you. Mm. Like, you know, all these people are kind of messaging you. I think friendship is something that's quite, like genuine friendship is something that's quite hard to find. Like I've met loads of really cool people, but ultimately, like when I think about my friends, like what I've really been, the, the vast majority of my friends are people that I knew from before. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And because I think it's just hard because the problem is you are the product. If you're an artist, you are the product. So you've got to focus on it, make it, getting the product as out there as possible. So that in, that just naturally involves a lot of self-focus. Mm. <laughs> and I don't think it's good for people to be mm. like so focused on it's themselves. True. But true. it's just kind of like the nature of the beast. Yeah. So with that said... Yeah naturally everyone's kind of looking at how they can position themselves and so you don't get and i'm as just as guilty as this as anyone you don't get loads of people necessarily just like interested in you for you like i can think of artists that i maybe like collaborated with and thinking it would be very good tactically if me and this person became friends you know but i might not actually be like yeah like, the, my, the reason yeah. for, for me maybe pursuing this friendship is not because, oh, they're just a lovely person and I just want them in my life. They might be cool, but also I'm thinking, but further down the line, they might bring me on tour or, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these kind of things going on. So I think all of that just can easily, 
lead to a bit of like a warped view of things. Mm. Um, and I think particularly if I didn't have like a very sort of stable friendship group, support system, family, um, I would have, and I, I would have been like a proper mess. So, mm. and I just think like a lot of people might not have all of that in place just in terms of like people to speak to people who know absolutely nothing about rap music, for example. Like those those people have been really good to me, like people in my life who just don't care in mm. the best in the best yeah. sense and don't understand it and just mm. care about me. Um, and I also just think, yeah, like it can just change really soon. Like I remember one time I did I did like an interview with um the independent newspaper. And I was gassed because it was like a national newspaper, mm. you know. And then I remember, like, I got loads of backlash on Twitter for like something I, I can't remember. It was maybe something I, I think it was something that the something that was written in the article that had been said, and I didn't really understand it. And I remember feeling really like, oh my gosh, everyone hates me, you know. Mm. And it was I probably got like twenty tweets, you know. But at the time, yeah, it felt it like millions of like people lot, yeah. were going at me, and. So I, I know what it feels like on a relatively small scale. So I can't imagine what it feels like if suddenly everyone kind of not turns against you, but you are the the butt of the joke for the day, let's yeah. say. Um, so I do think, yeah, there's quite a lot of unique ways in which uh, your mental health can be affected just, just, just due to the nature of the highs and the lows and the fickle, mm. the fickle kind of approach that people have towards music. Um, so yeah, it's um, mm. it's it's challenging. Yeah, <laughs> it is challenging. Even like putting out, like even just feeling like you're you're evolving and creating better and better work. I think for artists who are independent, a lot of time they're putting out music and they're growing and trying to get better, and the feedback isn't quite what you want it to be and it's and I was thinking that's kind of similar but on a bigger scale for you when you're you were trying to put out and create amazing work and you're giving it to the label and they're like right. and you're like you're really like trying your best and you feel you can feel in yourself that this is better than that last thing that I did and this is better than that other last thing that I did and I'm really mm. I really you know maybe took a risk here or was being really creative and it's just not received that is like for your mental health creating things constantly and they're just being a long, long seasons or stretches, or even for for a lot of independent artists, like their whole time being independent, it doesn't really connect. You know, mm. that is hard mentally. Yeah, that's such a good point. Like, you, you know, like I pour my heart yeah. out on verse three. You know what I mean? And it's like, wait, did you? They ain't even. Get they even get to this. <laughs> and one of the biggest, the best things that I learned through all of this, and definitely something that I would say to any any independent eyes is you have to realize right no one cares mm. like no one cares and when you realize that it's really freeing because mm. like and i've just realized it like i might you know think oh my gosh like what i just wrote there was like really like meaningful and heartfelt and it's so personal and people are just gonna like really like relate to it and sometimes no one cares mm -hmm. and it's not because it's not because people are bad people it's just it's mine isn't it it's yeah. never going to mean more to anyone
they're they're caring about other things that's to do with them. Like they've got more more important things to care about. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like when you, when I kind of realised like no one cares, this is good because now I know not. So now I can be a little bit more free. Mm. And because before, like when I first started putting out music, it was like every YouTube comment was like either. ego booster or a total like morale destroyer mm. and get to a point where it's like this ain't gonna this isn't gonna go very well yeah but it's not sustainable <laughs> it's yeah being up and down yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? it's yeah. way too up and down yeah. and the thing is what i realized i could read off to you all the negative comments people have said to me i can't remember any of the positive ones i know there have been some but it's just the way my and the thing is is because it comes down to my own ego like i'm really actually wanting to boost my own ego but I learned that when I kind of detached myself, be like, right, no one cares. It's not no one cares. No one cares as much as I do because this has come from me. And in the same way that, like, I don't know, I like football, yeah? I follow football. But I don't care about football as much as, like, these football players. Do you know what I mean? I support West Ham. West Ham lose, which happens often. I'm disappointed, but I crack on. Do you know what I'm saying? I'll be annoyed for about five minutes and carry on with my day. Yeah. If I was a player on the pitch, it's probably going to hit differently. So it's just natural, yeah. Like, like you said, Bianca, like people have got their own stuff going on. So when you realise like no one cares as much as you, it's quite freeing. And I, now I can put out a song. Anything I put out, first of all, I like it. And it's not like a well, I like it, so I don't care if anyone else does. Of course, I want other people to like it. On a base, base level, at least I like it. So at least if no one else really responds to it in the way that I was hoping, oh, that's a shame. Mm. But I like it, Mm. you know? Mm. And generally, I've actually found the stuff I like is the stuff that people like the most. So, you know, you can sort of trust your instinct. But it's a good place because I've also put out songs where I didn't necessarily like them that much, mm. but I was thinking, well, this makes sense for this reason or that. And then, then when, when those songs aren't received, you feel very stupid because yeah. it's like, wait, no one really liked it. And actually, I don't even like it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what, what are we doing? Yeah, what, you know, what is this? <laughs> like, this has just gone totally wrong. So, yeah, I would say, like, when you realise, like, you know, like, I'm, sometimes, like, when you play people music and... And then you can see, like, oh, they're, they're looking at Instagram. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, hold on, listen, listen to this song. But it's like, no, it's cool, because it's just, like, doesn't mean as much. And people take in things differently, and it means different things. Like, I learned a lot from my Spotify Insights this year, yeah? And I realised that I don't actually listen to songs that I like as much as I do. So, like, my most played song, because it, like, broke down, like, oh, this was your favourite song this yeah. year. And I listened to it, like... 32 times and I was like oh I thought I would have listened to this song like hundreds of times right. do you know what I mean and that was like but really like the way music is there's so much so music much. it actually takes loads for people to go back to mm. your music which is a bit disheartening as an artist but when you realise that's just what it is you know I remember when I went for a meeting with a um, like a, a distributor and they're telling me I think 12,000 songs come out every Friday. It's mad. Something it's like mad. that. And I was just like, well, do you know what? If a thousand people listen to one of mine, I'm not doing too bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. That's a lot of traffic. Um, so, 
yeah i think and that comes with experience you know mm. but i think being able to take a light-hearted approach making sure that you like everything that you put out of course and believe in it and can stand by it but also just realizing you know some people might listen to this mm. 10 times some people might listen to the first 30 seconds and yeah. just never come back it's all right like people taking stuff how they take it how do you feel about that? Because we do, do put a lot of work into making music, innit? So it's, it is, it's true and, you, and it's, it's reality. So there's an acceptance, but it's also like, we care about it also because we put a lot of work into it. It takes a lot to make a track yeah. and be like, okay, make it, make it great yeah. and invest in it. And then mixing the mastery and doing all the things that you yeah. feel. And then trying to present it in the best like possible the way. Work, All of that. Yeah, the rollout yeah. and blah. And you also said something yeah. way back about how you started talking about when you was with your label and then you said you didn't know how to make a single. Mm. And mm. and so I would, I would love you to talk about that. But just even in mm. that, like there's... People don't really care too tough because it's not... There's, there are more important things happening in the world and in our personal lives. Yeah. So music isn't going to be... Someone else's music yeah. isn't going to be up there. Um, but we put a lot in, man. We just... We put yeah. a lot in. And and also then follow on, how do you... When you say how do you... You didn't know how to make a single. What did you mean? Yeah, okay. So with the first thing you're saying, I think, like... I'm still... You know, I grew up listening... The first music I really fell in love with was like hip hop. Mm. So I've got like these albums to me which are like just untouchable, you know. Nas's first two albums, particularly his first one, most Death's Baby, like these albums that I would have in my head as like classics, you know. But I realised like when I speak to young people now, like the idea of a classic album, mm. let's say, like that's a foreign concept to them. Like, what do you mean a classic album? Yeah. I've never even listened Listen to, to one. Album. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would I listen to an album? You know? So just the way in which people take music in is just different. Like, that's just fact. Like, it's changed. You know, my dad has got hundreds of vinyls that he's spent years collecting. They mean the world to him. You know, he can remember the time he bought this, he can remember that. And I have some of that as well, but I also can think of, yeah, like I say, artists who I think I really like now, and I really, Spotify tells me, we actually listen to this album twice, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think, they're, yeah, there just comes, yeah, you put loads and loads into it, but that's why it has to be... There's two things. There's obviously the part of like, well, I want this to make sense for me financially, which cannot be avoided. Um, but there also has to be this part of like, I enjoy it because I enjoy it. I enjoyed making music when I was 16, when it was just my boys that were listening to it. You know, I enjoyed mm-hmm. writing lyrics when I was 12, when no one was hearing them. Like that was for me. So I think it's just trying to just hold on to that like, the reason that I put in so much work into a song or an EP or whatever, yeah, is obviously because I want it. I want people to receive it, but also, I love it. I just love it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's like I guess like the, the silver lining. <laughs> um, and then in terms of like not knowing how to make a single, yeah, I think I was always a lyricist, mm-hmm. like. That was what I was known as. Everyone would compliment me on like my flow. And 
I think my ability to express something but quite lyrically, but that's quite different to making a song like Governor B, for example, one of my best friends. We, I've always been in awe of his ability to make a song, even from when we were young. Like, you know, when he was, when we were 18, he was putting an album together and he was putting like songs and, and I, I think at that point, I remember being in awe because I'd never made a song. Mm. I'd like put lyrics on a beat and that, but I'd never thought, okay, well, what do I want to say in the first verse and the second verse and what's the chorus and uh, what's the story of the song? Like, it just wasn't the way in which I approached music. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, so then like when, like making a single, I think, and like making a, a hit, I can't speak, so I haven't got like a catalogue of hits. So, but it's a science. Like there's a, there's um, not tricks because like that makes it sound easy, but there's, there's formula, there's a formula mm. to it. And yeah, that didn't come naturally to me. That didn't come naturally to me. Every time I would send the island a song, they'd always be like, right, let's make this 32 bar verse 16 bars, <laughs> you know, or like, we need like a, a pre hook and it was really helpful. Like it was good. It was it was good. And part of it was like working on my craft. I think a lot of the time I just thought, well no, I'm a lyricist, that's what I am. It's like, yeah, cool, but you can still improve. And I think that's why artists like um an artist like Drake or like Jay Z, I think that's why that's why I say Jay Z is Jay Z in the sense of like I always grew up I love Nas, he's my favourite rapper, and for for years and years, him and Jay-Z were kind of like, you know, and they still are contemporaries in many ways, but what Jay-Z has just been able to do, he knows how to make a song, like a song with commercial appeal that is still true to who he is. Mm. He understands when to give them all sorts of metaphor and all sorts of crazy flow and that but he also knows when to just do the like it's about to go down like he knows mm. when to put those bits in and that's a real art mm. that's a real art and that's something that i'm still uh, working on and i think artists should forever be working on and that's why drake is drake because he'll put out a song of just five minutes of lyrics and then he'll put out a song that's just two and a half minutes of like the catchiest thing you've ever heard mm. and the ability to do both is um is a real skill yeah. so yeah and i think like when i got signed like by island i, I hadn't like i made songs you know but i hadn't known how i've never made something thinking what radio dj is going to play this mm-hmm. <laughs> or like what playlist does this fit on like that wasn't in my thinking and i'm a bit of a slow processor so i think a lot of that kind of working out how to make a single and that kind of stuff um, was something that took a while for mm. me to uh, get my head around. It sounds like you've sort of almost struck a really good balance with where you are now with that whole thing of remaining true to yourself and you're a lyricist because you can mm. almost go too far the other way. You get people who are only writing songs for a playlist, you know, yeah. and it's like they are not even thought about whether this is them or, or what they're saying, but where is this going to, you know, it's almost writing for that formula. And that works mm. for some people, you know, songwriters and, who are writing for syncs and things like that. But in order, I think, to be an artist, it needs to be a mixture of, of both of those. And I'm yeah. just wondering, in, in you, you've, you seem so much more comfortable with who you are 
as a as a man, as an artist, uh, where you are in your life right now, how have you had to either, if you have, adjust your expectations or have you merely um, changed your definition of success? What does success mean to you now as an artist? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I I think a lot of this journey for me, and it's definitely been a journey, you know, I think it happened for me I think I looked in the mirror a lot. I remember when my song talked to me, uh, it came, went to number 19 in the charts. And I remember like when my manager called me to congratulate me because he just like got the official um, like nod. And I remember feeling being disappointed because mm. I was disappointed because like it started when it had come out in the midweeks, it was like number two. And then it was number six. Like so, slowly I just seen it like <laughs> crawling back. But and I remember like I literally feeling disappointed of like oh it could have been this, could have been that. And from that point onwards, I was like, hold on, how can I be disappointed at having a top twenty? Like I, my career is I'm a rapper. Like I'm actually making money from doing this. A few years ago, I would never have imagined any of this. And I think it just from then. I just really started to look at myself and think, like, what am I trying to do? Like, what am I, what am I viewing as success? And what, what, mm. what was the meaning and is the meaning? And I think, for me, I just I had to come back to. I think God has given me an ability to use words to say something, mm. and therefore if I feel like I'm actually doing that, then I'm I'm successful. Mm. And if it turns out to provide money for me, then that's a bonus. Uh, if it turns out that people um, connect with it, that's a bonus. But actually, they're not the that's not the, the end goal. That's not that's not the destination. And I think for me, like when so when I deliver these workshops and I do I like work with loads of different I've worked with like I don't know maybe like 1500 kids in different, in different environments and different stuff and and sometimes you'll see a kid who just something unlocks for them mm-hmm. as they're realizing oh my gosh I can do something and and for me that feels like success in the sense of the words that I feel that like God's given me are bringing are bringing hope, and that's not something that I'm I've done. That's just that's me exercising the gift that God's given me. Um, and if because I, I think I just had to come to the back of like the world is just interested in numbers, you know, like oh, how many streams, how many listeners, how many followers. It's all numbers, mm-hmm. and God's interested in people and. Mm-hmm like individuals, do you know what I mean? They believe the 99 to go after the one. And for me, that was what I kind of realized. I, I just want to engage with people. And if I can use my uh, talent to do that, then that is success to me. Mm, so good. Yeah. It's been such a good show. I literally still have questions, but I think maybe you might have to come back. You might have to come back and I'm chat to us again. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. This has been so good. I think this this episode is going to be so helpful for, um, especially for us who 
if you're new especially you're really ambitious but you don't really know what you're ambitious for like you're ambitious for something that's is quite um it's not really tangible it's like this this far away dream like never never land and um I think it's just really helpful to to speak to somebody that's uh, actually had quite um, a, a broad experience in this business um, and just to hear those insights has been so so great so thank you very thank you very much where can people yeah. um follow you and, and find out where you are yeah so my social media uh on everything is it's nick brewer so i-t-s-n-i-c-k-b-r-e-w-e-r um yeah nick brewer on the dsps and youtube and yeah that's where i kind of can keep people up to date with stuff Awesome. Have you got anything in the works for? I know it's a tricky time, isn't it? Have you got anything in the yeah, works for twenty twenty one? I put an EP out kind of just uh, a couple of months ago. Mm. I've got another one coming. Just trying to, you know, it's like everyone trying to figure out how it looks. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the works. Awesome. Anyway, We've got yeah. a lot to look forward to then. Yeah. Thank well, you so much. Really good to talk to you both. Yeah, it's been <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And don't forget to sign up to our mailing list where you'll receive a free 10-day guide especially designed to inspire and equip independent music artists with some really useful, practical and inspirational resources. Sign up at www.iamindependent.co.uk For more great content from I Am Independent, find us on social media at We Are Independent Artists. Check out our Spotify playlist for new music from independent artists. Search We Love Independent Music.